0: state champions were crowned across high school hoops in the state of Montana over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. At the Class AA tournaments in Billings over the weekend, Billings Skyview has its first girls state championship after defeating Western AA's best Missoula Hellgate 54-44. Skyview sophomore Brianna Williams poured in 25 points and the Falcons won their first state championship since the high school opened in 1984. Just a few years ago, Skyview finished 1-19 marking one of the great rebuilds in state history. Missoula Hellgate was the Western AA champions, and they fall in the state championship game for the second time in three years. Hellgate senior Bailey Saylor led the Knights with 18 points in the loss. In the AA Boys Tournament, Braden Cook hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to lift Helena Capital to a 53-50 win over Billing Skyview in the tournament semifinals, ensuring that the Bruins would get a shot at the state championship. In the title game, Cook and the Bruins had no problem dispatching of Eastern AA number one Bozeman defeating the Hawks 62-48. And finally in Missoula at the Class A state championships, Dougie Peoples of Butte Central made a moment straight out of a movie when he drilled a 25-footer at the buzzer to cap a 37-point state title outing and lift Butte Central to a 61-58 win over Lewistown to give the Maroons their first Class A state championship since 1992. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. It may not mean nothing wrong. Understand nothing was done for me So I don't plan on stopping at all I want it forever ever mind, never mind, never mind I down in the mall It's selling there, girl she the one for me And I ain't even planning the
1: call, I won't it forever mind never mind never mind, mind
0: Okay is the Martian space jam I won't ditch you, but I Tuesday everybody welcome up, back to honors now ESPN radio we're actually recording this on a Tuesday mid-morning here down at studio 49 at the Gallagher business building my good friend Justin angle it's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications where we discuss the overlay of business and sports but right now we're discussing Justin's busted finger he uh had a little fall uh this is actually like way more hazardous than people realize I almost hurt myself falling this mm. year I uh, I got lucky in the way Way that I landed on my shoulder and not my wrist because a yep. uh, big tree fall hard I would have definitely broken my wrist <laughs> if I would have landed like that or boss, our owner a little Bradcastle Company, she slipped, fell, shattered her ankle. Ugh. And so it's uh, it's not uncommon. You were running on the ice? Is that, you uh, were just it, running on the road? I was
1: running on the trails. Um, you know, we got that little dusting of snow uh, last Tuesday. And, um, you know, ordinarily through the winter, I run with spikes in my shoes if I'm on the trails. Smart. But um, this day, you know, sometimes when you get that fresh snow, you don't need the spikes because it provides a little traction. And, and anyway, I um, was coming off the trail, stepped onto the road, slipped, and... And, uh, yeah, my uh, finger got busted up, dislocated, so
0: it'll heal fast. It could be worse, could be better. (laughs) None of it's good. Yeah. I hope you heal up fast. At least it's my
1: right hand, so typing and writing, you know, with with a pencil and trying to tie my shoes are, you know, not easy tasks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it makes you feel any better. We were driving back from Boise, Idaho. We were on, uh, like, hour six of the drive, and uh, how about two hours left we're almost to dylan and uh the uh, radiator hose or some sort of coolant hose on my car burst oh, and then we were in a no service spot and this was all accentuated then by us getting back into service and then getting a tow truck getting to the mechanic shop and then having the alerts on my phone transpire as such Kirk cousins re-signed by the vikings that made me even more mad then tom brady announces he's not retiring after all yeah. and then aaron Rodgers signs a uh, 200 million dollar contract so overall sunday was a stellar day for me as well, but that's what we're going to talk about today. At least starting off here on a business angle, I, I think for those that see right through sort of the the persona of arrogance that has defined Tom Brady's career, mm-hmm. are in no way surprised that yeah. he retired for for two months. I also wonder though, just how tactful was the announcements of each? Right, he he announced his retirement initially the the day before the Super Bowl and completely right. stole the news cycle from the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then he announces his return like an hour before selection Sunday for the NCAA tournament starts. I, it just can't be a coincidence. I don't think.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's an interesting media presence.
0: <laughs> that's and, one way of saying yeah, it. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's not the guy that's like all over the tabloids. He doesn't cultivate that, you know, super splashy. All oh, he's not like the Ben Affleck, you know,
0: whatever that, um, he was for a minute though. Right. Remember before he got married, there was a minute. And he was that, dating right? Bridget Moynihan and, he right. had, and then they had the kid. And then all of a sudden he's married to Giselle and nobody knows what's going on. Right. But, but lately the, the the sort of
1: primary advertising he does are for these luxury brands, right. and kind of obscure, obscure publications. I guess he's got Hertz now. That's kind of more mainstream, and he's sure. he's monetizing his his personal brand and more mainstream outlets. But he's not that kind of like the sort of celebrity that's always in the tabloids, right? You don't pick up a People magazine and, and often see Tom Brady in there, right? So this this notion of dominating the news cycle—I mean, to to play football at the level he's played at, there has to be a big Ego in there, right? There has to be this notion that that I can dominate this game, and, and maybe that coincides with some notion that I can dominate the news cycle, and I can just grab it by the tail whenever I want to with a tweet. And we've seen how that has dominated our society over the past few years. Um, Tom Brady might be playing that game as well.
0: It's so interesting too because the way that the the sort of matriculation of news, but also prospective branding works is so interesting, too. Tom Brady sometimes lives up in the Flathead Valley. Mm -hmm. He's a Yellowstone Club member. I guess the Gallatin Valley is a Yellowstone Club member, and then sometimes he is up in the Flathead Valley. And there's this video where Tom Brady was working out somewhere up in the Flathead, and he's wearing a Whitefish Bulldogs dry fit from our guys at up top, one of our, my good buddies, the Anderson brothers. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, they posted on their Instagram because it's just a, uh, a three three second reel of Tom Brady saying "Let's go" in the Whitefish Bulldogs shirt, and they just said "Congratulations to the goat for coming back." And it's like, man, the world is so crazy that you can just have authentic Montana made marketing from Tom Brady because of a three second reel on an Instagram. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I guess the ability to kind of, he's savvy enough to
1: if he has a presence here try to establish some relationship to the community and that like that sort of signaling is I think savvy marketing from a guy like Tom Brady because he's you know there's a lot of that like really you know we look pejoratively sometimes at these uh you know fancy celebrities that move to Montana and build these you know 50,000 square foot homes (laughs) right side of a mountain or a lake and and just sort of don't really participate and so for him to kind of maybe cultivate a little bit of a local presence support for local football Yeah,
0: you know, that says a lot that's one thing i've always thought about howie long for those listeners of a certain age they remember howie long was a, a superstar football player hall of fame football player for the oakland and los angeles raiders depending on which uh time of his career mm-hmm. but he's made his home up in montana for a long time and his boys were always up there i remember they used to play in pulse and hoop fest all the time before they became nfl stars themselves but that was one thing i always appreciated about howie so much You could totally just go talk to him in a cafe. He knew he was Howie Long. He didn't mind. You know, if if 10 kids went up and talked to him, asked for autographs, all good. So like you said, I think that's all we really want, right? Yeah, accessibility, authenticity is what we want, right? That's exactly right. Well, let's talk about Tom Brady just in general, because it seems like this sort of waffling back and forth used to be bad for for your image. And now it just seems like, especially if it's expected, because a lot of people, I think, expected this, it's it's not. And so, I mean, what do you think? Does this hurt Tom Brady's brand or image, or is this just kind of par for the course?
1: Yeah, I don't think it hurts him at all, really. I mean, I, I think it's, it's such a short period of time that he was sort of retired um, the jo- some of the jokes were hilarious. Oh, too, the right? jo- and, and that's part of the game, you <laughs> right. know. And, and I think he has now, like, it, it, this has been documented too. Like, was when he was with the Patriots, it's sort of like a a, a renowned no fun team, all serious, right, do, right, do right. your job. And that, now that he's away from the Belichick empire, he's kind of cultivated this more fun side to his personality, or just allowed that the, the environments maybe allowed that to come out. Sure. And, you know, so this, wa- you know, w- waffling and then the jokes, it's all kind of part of the story and it's all kind of positive. Like he's still, he could still come back and be the best quarterback in the league. Nobody really doubts that. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to say he's washed up and can't do it, but like they were saying that for the last 10 years. For sure. And so, yeah, I mean, the fact that he believes he can play should be scary to any other team in the league
0: well I think that that is another factor here it's not even just about stealing news cycles or anything like that I actually honestly think that Tom Brady probably watched the playoffs after yeah. the Bucks were eliminated and was like well you know I thought I could walk away from the game I just can't right I, I think he knows that he's superior to almost every person you know Matt Stafford's a great player but Tom Brady had to be watching that quarterback or that Super Bowl thinking I'm better than that guy absolutely absolutely Business Angle. Justin Angle joining us here on Now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Coming to you from Studio 49 here on the University of Montana campus. We do this every other Tuesday. Let's talk about what's going on over the hill. Montana State is flat Uh rolling. What a a month and a couple months for their athletic department, but then subsequently their university, their campus, their town, and everything about it. I said on the show yesterday, I I said that it doesn't matter which side of the rivalry, quote-unquote, that you reside on. I think that First of all, sending a pair of Montana teams to the NCAA tournament is pretty cool for the state of Montana. Most people will see that and they'll just think of the state, not the actual either-or university. Mm -hmm. They're sort of removed from the rivalry part of it. Also, though, the fact that it's on the men's side, a guy in Danny Sprinkle who's from Helena... Who's an alum who's leading his alma mater back to the big dance for the first time since he was a player? I mean, that is a totally a great story. Great story. Yeah. I mean, one of a kind story. And then on the women's side, you know, the fact that the Montana State women had this unbelievable historic season a couple of years ago and then when they first got to the championship game and the championship got called off, they didn't get to go to the big dance, yeah. so they got a little yeah. bit of redemption as well. So, just before we get into some of the, the nuance of this, what do you think of this for just Montana State University, but also the state of Montana, the fact that the Bobcats are sending both teams to the uh, big dance?
1: Well, it, you know, at the state level, it it gives us a chance to showcase the best of the state uh, on the national stage and, you know, that so both universities, or I'm sorry, both Montana State will have the opportunity to run advertising during these games to a national audience, yeah, right? And just yeah. have great sort of share of voice and share of eyeballs, and be able to present the image that they want to be that they want to be presented. Now, you also want the teams to to back that up with with solid performances on the court. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean wins. But, you know, like we talked about with the um, the Grizz football team early in the season, like sure. they were playing a style of play that was kind of representative of some Montana values. Absolutely. And so I, I think the ultimate in branding for, for, for Montana would be if those teams sort of play with some just super tough defense, like really kind of gritty. Yeah. I think they would bolster some of the associations people already have with the state of montana
0: well the tough draw montana i mean either way if you're coming out of the big state conference you're gonna get a tough draw yeah. dance but the men's basketball tournament has much less uh sort of just stringent bracketed you know the 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 feel the uh it's gonna be chalk in the, yeah. in the tournament the yeah. women's tournament is almost always chalk i mean mm-hmm. it is so rare that you have anything outside maybe a four seed get to the sweet Sixteen. And almost impossible that you get a double-digit seed. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, But the other thing that I think is... I want to ask you about this. Because because there's not a lot of parity in the women's tournament. And and because, for better or worse, as we've discussed on this last couple uh, times, women's basketball is still finding its footing. Although college women's basketball is a lot more popular than professional women's basketball. Mm -hmm. But they want the tournaments, especially the early sites, to have fans... And there's never been even close to a 16-versus-1 upset, let alone like a a 14-versus-a-3 in the women's tournament. So... They see the initial sites as basically home games, and Montana State they have to go on the road and play at Stanford. Like this game is at the defending national champions, the number two team in the country. Yeah, that's a tough draw. It's a pretty tough draw. So, what do you think of this dynamic, though, just from a sort of business and marketing standpoint? Because um, on one hand, you're just given—I mean, I think the spread on this game will seriously be forty, and that, that's that's a, that's a bummer for Montana yeah. State after having a great year. But on the other hand, you know, if you if you put, if you put this game in Topeka, Kansas. Maybe of half the people, so I just I, I guess what's sort of the the balance of of how this looks on a national level. Yeah, it's a complicated question, and, it, and it, with many layers. I guess I would start to think about
1: it like you're trying to, your, your overall objective. If you're the NCAA, is to grow the popularity of women's basketball, and there's sure. there's a few different ways to do that. You got to have great sort of hook stories and great characters, yep. but the tournament as a vehicle has to field. More teams that have the ability to win games. Yeah. You know, so so it can't just be chalk. And so yeah, these these one the 116 games are rarely interesting, but like more games in the bracket have to be interesting. And the way to do that is to, you know, pump up a lot more teams and you gotta have more money in the system to do that, right? And so having games that don't have fans in them, that don't get ratings, those are not really monetizable games. So to, to have the top seeds like the Stanford host a Montana State in the first round, yeah, that does seem like it doesn't promote parity, right? But it does also become a game that's more monetizable because you have more sure. butts in the seats and it's a more exciting atmosphere. Probably more viewers will tune in. The local media will cover it to some degree. And so I think there's probably this this needle the thread here in terms of how do you create this rising tide? Well, you got to get as much money in the system as you can and figure out ways to distribute it. The other piece of this too is that, you know, and and this story came up, I think it was last year about like the inequity between the the women's facilities and the men's facilities at some of these sites.
0: And some of it was because of the single site last year too. I would love to see a revision of this because the opening sites this year aren't going to be in this neutral site, New Orleans or San Antonio, excuse me, place. I bet you the accommodations at Stanford are pretty nice. Yeah, whoever made that (laughs) error last
1: time around is not making it this time around.
0: But the point being is like
1: the the equity of the, the, you know, sort of the the equity of the two tournaments has to be kept in mind by the NCAA, right? Like there's legal reasons, but there's also, you know, ethical and and branding reasons why you'd you'd want to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, if you were to just draw up uh, the ideal tournament, the number of teams in a tournament, based on the number of quality teams in, in women's collegiate basketball, would probably be smaller than the 64 field team. Uh, f- uh, team field, but in order to create some parity across the, the the men's and women's games, you should have a similarly structured tournament.
0: One is now HPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us here. It's a business angle overlay between business and sports, presented by Blackfoot Communications. I've also thought that one area that the NCAA hasn't explored when it comes to the women's tournament and some of the initial sites is you always gravitate towards metropolitan areas. Yeah. I actually think women's basketball is more popular in rural areas, and mm-hmm. we see that in Montana a lot. Yeah, and so you wonder if they said opening round sites in Billings, Montana, and like you know. Brookings, South Dakota and Iowa City, Iowa or something if that would maybe mitigate it as well but I think a lot of the coaches would tell you that no matter what your draw is getting to play at Stanford even if you're going to be a 40 point dog yeah, it's pretty unbelievable that's pretty cool like you get to play against a three time national champion I mean Tara of Vanderveer has been there for 40 years and there. how much would Montana State have to pay for to get a game like that in oh, the regular season. Man, right? I mean, they could get paid by Stanford to go there, but you're going to then be all the way uphill, and you're going to have no sort of yeah. neutral court. You're going to have Pac-12 refs. And you're going to have everything. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it's a good opportunity. And like you said, it's all kind of just about showing out. I also think that it is just about having some sort of marketable storylines. And Montana yep. State has several. I mean, Trisha Benford, their head coach, she played in the uh, at WNBA. She was a great player at Boise State, and uh, she has a lot of ties to a lot of coaches around the region. Darian White is a, a budding star who I think will play professionally, certainly, and maybe even in the WNBA. I mean, I hearken back to the last time uh, a Montana school went for the on the women's side, and that was when the Cats went in 2017. Mm-hmm. They drew Washington and played in Seattle. Right. They lost 91-63. I mean, that's a 38-point margin, but they got to play at Heck Edmondson Pavilion. They got to play against Kelsey Plum, who became the all-time leading scorer in the history of women's college basketball, yep. and Peyton Ferry who's from Twin Bridges, Montana, Class C All-Star, has 31 points in that game, and so that's a win, right? It doesn't matter if you oh, lose yeah. by 38. Oh, yeah. You had a lot of things that are great for your program and sort of the endorsement of it. Absolutely. You're on the big stage and there's a fair amount of academic research that that
1: documents the benefits of these sorts of appearances, you know, the positive in- influence on the quality and quantity of applications, you know, increased alumni giving, improved position in public rankings, publicized rankings. And part of that is just a salience effect, right? If they've heard of your school, you know, you, you might move from like, you know, one, hundred to seventy eight or something in the rankings. It's really hard when you're ranking schools to distinguish on on meaningful metrics down that low in the rankings. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, all kinds of positive benefits and we see the flip side of that. Like if if the bad things happen in a team, bad behavior, arrests, all sorts of things that can also be detrimental to a school's reputation. But the upside of getting invited to the big stage and performing on the big stage can be huge.
0: And last question on just sort of the details of this before we get into sort of what this means for the economic climate in both Bozeman right, and the state right. of Montana. Pretty affirming if you're Montana State to, when when they moved on from Brian Fish, who, who had a lot of pizzazz behind him as a guy that had been at Oregon and Creighton and recruited at a very high level for Dana Altman, had helped Oregon put together their Final Four roster, had coached in the Final Four before he came to Montana State. I mean, he was Mr. Slick. He had sit, sat at the table with Phil Knight and Michael Jordan. He used to right. tell that story all the time. So that's a totally different deal. But then he was just a 500 coach. He brought in some good players, but he just couldn't, really couldn't handle being a head coach. When the job opened, Montana State has a lot of momentum right now. And there was a lot of big-time candidates that applied for that job. Mm-hmm. They went with what some people thought was the low-hanging fruit, the guy who was the alum, the guy who was Helena, you know, born and bred, the guy who was going to be good for the press releases early on, but what do you get after uh, afterwards? And now, I think Danny Sprinkle has elevated Montana State's men's basketball program like I didn't think was actually possible. Yeah. I thought they'd have to invest so much more in hoops to ever be able to catch Montana or Weaver State. And I'm not saying they've caught them as programs. This is a single year, and Montana and Weaver State still have such great tradition. But from a pure university marketing standpoint, to have – this handsome, slick young guy from Helena, Montana, who's one of the great players in your program's history, now be the guy cutting down the nets. I mean, from a from the uh, you know the mark the athletic marketing realm, this is like a dream come true, right?
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, they can tell great stories around that that success, you know. And you wonder, like, one of the big keys to success, and well, one of probably the primary keys to success in collegiate athletics is recruiting. Yep. And so, does he have? A form of authenticity when he's recruiting out-of-state families, when he can tell them, "I know what Montana is. I've lived there my whole life." That sort of that sort of storyline. For sure. You know, I know. I, I will. I will not. I will bring your child into a safe, supportive environment where you know, where he can thrive. And I think that resonates if it's somebody who's grown up here, gone to the school. You, you can sort of string together a pretty compelling storyline with recruiting. If it's some new coach who's super splashy who doesn't have ties to the region, you know, that can be compelling if, if you're a parent and you sort of find that person's individual story. Like, yeah, I want my kid to play for that person. For sure. But that narrative is detached from place, right? And so, you know, Montana, Montana State, State, we've got deep attachment to place, and so when you have a coach that has, shares that attachment, I, I think that can be a pretty a, a compelling pitch in recruiting. But it can also be a compelling pitch as far as him going out there and, and selling the team in the community.
0: Well, you have dealt with uh, two different head football coaches here at the University of Montana, or head coaches, excuse me, in, in football and men's basketball, mm-hmm. and Bobby How and Travis Stakir. Yeah, we first kind of got to know each other because. You were so impressed with some of the guys that Travis Takir had on his team that were in your class, and that's sort of how we got connected. But I do think that there's also a distinct element of an understanding of the place as well as a pride in the place that goes well beyond sports. Yes, like Coach Houck wants his players to go to class because he's a University of Montana alum. He wants them to get a degree that he feels is valuable. Travis Mm -hmm. Takir, very similar. So Mm -hmm. do you feel like that element sort of exists?
1: Absolutely it exists, and I think it's compelling when you have a coach that that – shares that bond with his or her athletes and um you know and i think that can be part of the recruiting pitch as yep. well your parents want their kids most kids are not going to go into the nba right i'm not going to sure. monetize their athletic experience later in life so they want kids to get the education right and a coach that understands what the
0: education is and has earned that particular education that yeah that can be a really compelling pitch Justin Angle joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN radio as well as SWX Montana Television. It's a business angle. Now, you know, we have to do this because this is what we always do. We go down the dystopian rabbit hole. Sure, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) But I was texting you the other day. So you talk about the Bobcats going to the national championship in football in January and then to the big dance for both men's and women's basketball. That's the first time that's happened in the big sky since 2004 when Montana did uh, that same thing. The Grizz that year lost in the the football national championship as well, Bobby Houck's second year. This has been such an amazing advertisement for Montana State University, Bozeman, Montana, and the state of Montana. Yeah, But with the explosive growth that's already occurring in these places, is this a good thing? Gosh, I
1: mean, I don't really look at it as good or bad. It just sort of is, is, and it brings with it, um, you know, upside and downside, as far as the challenges it, it places to the community. When you have an influx of people, you know the, the biggest issue facing Montana and Bozeman in particular is housing, right? I think uh, you know last quarter the median home price was over seven hundred thousand dollars. It'll probably be north of eight hundred thousand, you know, this month or something like that, according to some folks we've talked to. Like,
0: eight twelve was the number. Eight twelve, geez, Louise. I like. just I, we had a rental place in Bozeman for ten years, a little three bedroom condo. And it's probably a mile and a half from campus. It's in a fine location. Yep. It's right by the mall in Bozeman. And just in the, you know, those packed in college rental subdivisions. And we just, you know, kept it around because it was affordable and whatever. Well, we just saw it on Zillow the other day for $587,000. So that just just, uh, puts into perspective. I don't even think they changed the carpet or (laughs) or
1: anything. It's just as is. So unbelievable. And there's not many jobs in Bozeman that can support the income you would need to afford a home like that. This is
0: the breaking point. This is going to be the thing that that, a lot of people are disregarding. Yeah. One of the most popular activities to do in Bozeman, this is going to sound funny to people that haven't spent time in Bozeman, is to go out to breakfast, Hmm. to go out to brunch, It is really hard to go out to brunch no matter what day it is in Bozeman. There's so many places that have so many unique and organic and, and, you know, sort of compelling options. Sure. So you better have two and a half hours if you want to go out to brunch with (laughs) with your friends or your family or whatever. But I guess the thing that people aren't realizing, though, is... Unless they want to charge you $35 for your bacon and eggs, they're not going to be able to offer wages to continue to serve you said brunch if no one can find a house for less than $3,000 a month.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're facing that uh, here in Missoula in many dimensions. I think there was a story in the Missoulian yesterday about the number of jobs in local and county government that are unfilled at the moment because we can't find people who can afford, who can can live in those jobs or, you know, do those jobs and afford to live in the community. Right. Uh, Rental prices are are through the roof here in Missoula. And, and, you know, these effects are happening throughout Montana. And a lot of it too, you know, is is we've talked about it, uh, you know, on on my podcast, A New Angle. What's happened is this has happened so quickly. Like systems aren't designed to handle this rapid influx of people, the rapid increase in, in, in house pricing because housing takes time. Right. Right. The, the market can't. The only response a market with constrained supply can have is to increase prices. Right. You have to put more supply in the system and that takes time. And then you layer on supply chain disruptions and, right. and the, the sort of inaccessibility of a lot of building, building products, the lack of builders. You know, all of that has made this even worse because it's been really difficult to, to put supply on the market
0: that's the other reason there's a variety of the dichotomy between Bozeman and Missoula is always interesting to analyze because there's several different factors Mm -hmm. Missoula was a town that was founded on tangible industry like timber and the mills and the railroad Bozeman, a tangible industry that was agriculture. Right. And then became sort of tourism. But one of the reasons why Bozeman has grown more rapidly than Missoula as of late is because of the ability to grow. There's just more room in the valley. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't really you can only really build up in the Missoula Valley. Now, I mean, you can build outside of the valley, and that's I think where the next urban sprawl is gonna come. But in the valley, there's not a lot of places to build, especially when it comes to residential real estate. So Bozeman just has more room. But the other thing is there's the infrastructure part of this for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Missoula has already had massive infrastructure challenges, and that's a whole different history lesson for people that don't know why Malfunction Junction exists, basically. Uh, Then there's... You know, the, the housing and the economic challenges that come with rapid population growth, supply chain distribution like you were just talking about. But then there's also the environmental aspects yeah, of this. It's huge. One of the great things that I think we don't praise enough living in Montana, but specifically living in the Missoula Valley and the Gallatin Valley, is the water that we have. Yes. The quality of the water, the supply of the water. I read this horrifying article all about the water the water shortage that's coming in bozeman that people are not acknowledging Mm -hmm. when i lived in ellensburg washington ellensburg is one of the preeminent farm towns in the country because it is the the capital of timothy hay which is what agricultural what, what livestock eats primarily especially in china right and there's such a huge battle for water particularly with the uh Seattle Metropolitan Area only 90 minutes away and, you know, sort of the Continental Divide, the way the watershed works. That's all to say that at the Ellensburg Daily Record, the newspaper I worked at, we had a full-time water rights reporter. That was a full-time job. 200 stories a year on what's going on with water rights. Mm -hmm. And I I think that sometimes people forget about that. I mean, and this could be a huge impact in if the continuing branding on a national level of Montana continues with Tom Brady living in Montana and the show Yellowstone blowing up and now Montana State Athletics blowing up and the grizz trying to keep pace and likely having a, a national imprint on it as well. There's just so many different things that can get affected.
1: Yeah, the natural beauty is what draws a lot of For sure. folks here, and the more folks that come here, they put more strain on the natural resources and more strain on that natural beauty. And water is is a big part of that, and it is. Finite. We can't really create more water. In fact, a lot of the climate models would suggest we're going to have less water. Now, that's not evenly distributed throughout the state. You know, there's some areas that are going to get more rain. There's some that are going to get less. We're going to have less snowpack overall, likely. For sure. And that's going to contribute to different runoff and different access to water. So, yeah, that's a big problem. Th- throughout the West, it's been more salient in recent years than it has here in Montana. But I think that reality is coming here fast.
0: There's so so many different realities. The last one I want to touch on is now. ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, not to leave you guys in a bad mood as you listen to this. I just think we all got to think about it. It's not necessarily, like Justin said, it's not good or bad. It's just is. We just have to analyze it. But the last storyline that came out, which is so indicative of the way the economy is tied to sports and vice versa, was the Class B State Basketball Championships Mm -hmm. were in Bozeman this last weekend. If you think about Class B towns, those are going to be towns like Three Forks and Shoto and Glasgow and Harlem and Lodgegrass, where people come from very simple backgrounds. You know, there's not a lot of. I, I shouldn't say this. This is a total implication, but you're, you're not going to have the same median household income, let's say, in Harlem, Montana, as you are in Bozeman. That's pretty yeah, safe to yeah, say, Yeah, they're
1: not right? going go to go home shopping
0: during that <laughs> trip to Bozeman. That's right. So then the controversy, though, was with these all these people coming from small towns for both the Boys and Girls Tournaments, which should be such an awesome descending of small town people into the Bozeman urban metropolis yeah. that it is now, people were just upside down because they couldn't stay anywhere because the average hotel price in yep. Bozeman it's crazy. I don't think you can get a hotel room in Bozeman for less than 250 bucks. And no. that's talking like micro hotel or, you know, whatever basic standard low end hotel you can get. And then if you want to stay, you know, any of this, the normal chains or, you know, heaven forbid you want to stay one of the, t- the hotels downtown, you're talking a couple thousand bucks to be in Bozeman. all Yeah, day. that's an
1: expensive weekend and one that not a lot of folks can afford for these milestone o- moments for their families and children. So, yeah, that's a real problem. And it will be interesting to see, like, do those do those smaller school leagues decide to take their tournaments elsewhere um you know if the families can't afford to to travel to the tournament site it, it becomes an unworkable model for that for that league
0: well the irony because i think that a lot of times bozeman and Missoula have been left out because they've had opportunities to host the big sky tournament therefore the facilities weren't available now the big sky tournament at a neutral site so we have these opportunities to actually host but it might actually be better for the economy all the way around if we just are bringing people to Great Falls and Helena and you know, have her in Ronan, then maybe bring them to the big city. I think it might work out better for everybody on both sides.
1: I think so. We do. I mean, this is a whole nother podcast. a <laughs> whole right. nother episode. Right. But like so much of what we do with youth sports is to narrow the funnel, to exclude people.
0: Which is so unfortunate.
1: And it's bad for outcomes, right? We want to we cast the widest net as possible. We want as many sure. people in the funnel at the top as we can so that we can create the best athletes at the best system. So, you know, the more we sort of Create taxes and barriers uh, uh, to entry. Uh, it, it just doesn't do anybody any good.
0: That's why everybody. Anytime anybody asks me if you won the lottery, what would you buy? I say one of the first things I would buy. I'd buy pairs of basketball shoes for every single kid I possibly could think of. Yeah, there you go. To have them, no yeah. matter if they're in Montana or around the country, I'm gonna buy ten thousand pairs of basketball shoes. Mm-hmm. Let, let, give them to the kids and let them have something to hoop in. Justin Angle, a business angle here on New Orleans Now, ESPN Radio. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, man. Business Angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We will have more on Nuanas now, back after this. and Missoula Sports Center. State champions were crowned across high school hoops in the state of Montana over the weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez At the Class AA tournaments in Billings over the weekend, Billings Skyview has its first girls state championship after defeating Western AA's best, Missoula Hellgate, fifty-four to forty-four. Skyview sophomore Brianna Williams poured in twenty-five points, and the Falcons won their first state championship since the high school opened in nineteen eighty-four. Just a few years ago, Skyview finished one and nineteen, marking one of the great rebuilds in state history. Missoula Hellgate was the Western AA champions, and they fall in the state championship game for the second time in three years. Hellgate senior Bailey Saylor led the Knights with 18 points in the loss. In the AA Boys Tournament, Braden Cook hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to lift Helena Capital to a 53-50 win over Billing Skyview in the tournament semifinals, ensuring that the Bruins would get a shot at the state championship. In the title game, Cook and the Bruins had no problem dispatching of Eastern AA number one Bozeman defeating the Hawks 62-48. And finally, in Missoula at the Class A state championships, Dougie Peoples of Butte Central made a moment straight out of a movie when he drilled a 25-footer at the buzzer to cap a 37-point state title outing and lift Butte Central to a 61-58 win over Lewistown to give the Maroons their first Class A state championship since 1992. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Boom! If you think you want to roll, see this is what they made Cadillac trucks for. Let's go to a place you ain't never been down in the country. I bet I had you saying you love me. Shorty wanna ride with me? Ride with me? We can get low. Hop into the Chevy don't blow. Wanna ride with me? Ride with me? Let your head down. You said you want to go, Don't be scared now. Shorty wanna ride with me? Ride with me? We can get low. What up, Montana? Welcome back. now Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Coulter Nuana is coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Hope you're having an outstanding Tuesday. Looks like the sun is about to come out. How about this? Uh, the news of the day on a national level, the proposed and potential elimination of daylight savings time. I know a lot of you out there with kids would uh, definitely vouch for that. Us that are driving back from Boise, Idaho and losing an hour, when we're already going to be so tired after the Big Sky Tournament, we'd vouch for it, too. Let's talk about the NCAA Tournament because we are hitting the road tomorrow night. We're driving to Spokane, and we'll fly out early Thursday morning from Spokane to San Diego. And that's where Montana State, the men, play the first game of the Friday session, 10.45 a.m. They'll take on Texas Tech. That's 11.45 a.m. Uh, Montana time, MSU in their first national tournament, NCAA tournament, since 1996. The men's tournament is underway with Texas Southern taking on Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. The Montana tie here is that Texas Southern, one of their standout players is the man formerly known as Carl Nicholas. He now goes by Jordan Carl Nicholas. He was a freshman here at the University of Montana on their last NCAA tournament team. They transferred, and he's averaging 9.2 points and 6.0 rebounds per game. He averaged 11-7 and 7 last year for Texas Southern. So Texas Southern won a first four game last year to get into the tournament, and now they're playing in the first four. Southern leads a m Corpus Christi, 32-30 to 30 at halftime. So how about the rest of the bracket? Let's look in uh, quickly. And, and by the way, please go fill out your bracket if you want to be a part of our ESPN Bracket Challenge. We have so many phenomenal prizes for you. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Paradise Falls, who's providing $400 cash and $100 in gift cards. We also have gift cards from Dazzler's Car Wash, Tagliari Deli, Katie O'Keefe's, the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, the AC Hotel, we, had a, we got a couple of memorabilia boxes courtesy of Zootown Sports Cards as well. So please go enter. we we'll first, second, and third place prizes. Let's look at the bracket real quick as we wind down here uh, on Nuanas Now because I thought that there was some stuff that really stood out. First of all, just because of where we live and the proximity and some of the, the people that we were able to follow. Well, I'm not able to follow. You can follow whoever you want on Twitter, but I follow... A lot of people that cover the Mountain West because there's a lot of parallels there when it comes to coaching, coaching changes, coaching searches. You know, I also kind of fell into following some Boise State people because of the crossover there when Jeff Choate was potentially going to take the head coaching job there. And then subsequently guys like Kane Ione and Nate Potter from that MSU staff uh, went to Boise State. I also fall Wyoming just because, you know, it's our neighboring state here in Montana, and I have some friends that are very into the Cowboys. So because of that, maybe I have a slight proximity bias, but I also thought that the Mountain West was a really good league this year. And so I think that Wyoming having to play uh, the 12-seed play-in game versus Indiana, that's a pretty tough draw. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys made a little run. I've watched them a little bit, not only because of the ties I have with friends, from around these parts that know about Wyoming. But I also think Jeff Linder is a heck of a coach, and he also was at Northern Colorado, so I got to know Coach Linder. He's been on this show several times. So I do think that uh, Wyoming uh, and Boise State, who got an eight seed and have to play Memphis, I think that's a tough draw. I think it's a bad draw, honestly. I think Boise State deserved to be better than that. They're in the top 25. They're the regular season Mountain West uh, champions and the, and the tournament champions as well. So I thought Boise State maybe deserved as high as maybe a six, but they get an eight. And the thing is, an 8 is worse than getting a 6, obviously, but it's also worse than getting a 10 because I do think you have a better shot in the 10-7 game or even the 11-6 game than you do in the 8-9 game. 8-9 is going to be tough, and then you're also right there with the number one seed as well. So I, I don't know. I think I thought Boise State and Wyoming maybe got a, a little bit slighted. But the other storylines I like in the bracket Gonzaga, even though they went undefeated all the way until the national championship game last year, there's still this narrative around the country that the Zags have something to prove. And with how much they've been rolling this year, I think some people are tenuous and picking them in their bracket. I don't know why. I think uh, even with Mark, uh, excuse me, with Mark, Few at the helm, uh, hard to say. I don't know really know how you, you uh, overstate what a good job they've done and how much of a basketball school they've made that into. Uh, other teams I think are compelling you know, I was at 14 different NCAA tournament games last year. I think that Arkansas is really, really good. I think that they are a team that can really turn up the pressure defensively. They're really, really athletic. And Eric Busselman's a great big-game coach, so I think that that's uh, an interesting fold. I also misstated on the show the other week, uh, I guess earlier this week, that uh, Chris Beard was still at Texas Tech. Chris Beard led Texas Tech to the Final Four in 2019. He's no longer at Texas Tech. Um, because he's at the University of Texas, he replaced Shaka Smart at UT, and so uh, that was in this last offseason. So they uh, replaced him with Mark Evans, excuse me, Mark Adams. So uh, a first-year head coach there for the Red Raiders who take on Montana State uh, in the first round. Probably the, the number one national storyline, uh, other than. You know, can Kansas become more than just the perennial Big Twelve champions and punch down the door? That's a key storyline. Can Baylor make another run at it and repeat as national champions? That's a great storyline. But probably the one you're gonna hear the most about is about Duke, because it is Coach K's last run. And and it's been sort of a roller coaster these last couple weeks as he has this farewell journey. They have their final home game at Cameron Indoor. You got tickets going for almost $80,000 a pop. Just crazy to think about. Hundreds, literally, of his former players show up. And heartbreaking for Duke. Not heartbreaking for anybody else because you either, you're either love Duke or you hate him. That's what makes him great. That's what makes Coach K great. But Duke loses to North Carolina in Coach K's final home game at Cameron Indoor. So how about that? But then they make a great run all the way to the ACC championship game. But then they get smacked by an upstart Virginia Tech team. But the last run of the Blue Devils under Mike Shishetsky, that's certainly going to be a huge storyline to watch. Other ones that I think are are interesting, Kelvin Sampson, who started his career at Montana Tech. He's a disciple of the Judd Heathcote coaching tree from the University of Montana. He's now at Houston. They got to the Final Four last year. They're a 5C this year, much tougher path, but can they get there? That's an interesting one. Uh, one of the other interesting storylines I was reading about on Twitter. Speaking of the Mountain West, Colorado State is the highest seeded team out of the Mountain West, and probably the, one of the great basketball seasons in their school's history. And as of last night, they didn't know their travel plans. They didn't. They did not have a, a charter provided by the NCAA or any sort of practice time or lodging accommodations. And then that story from the Kansas or the Colorado State, excuse me, media started circulating around, and you realize there's several schools in that boat. so will they get there in efficient fashion? How are you gonna be ready to play without the same uh, comfort and sort of um, linear and and smoothed out travel plans? It just seems like it's, it's a distinct disadvantage. LSU is a six seed. That's an interesting storyline because will May- will Wade was dismissed after several uh, transgressions and indiscretions in the recruiting world. It took quite an effort for Will Wade to get fired from LSU but finally he gets dismissed. So LSU are they overrated as a six seed I'm not sure and uh, a couple of the other primary storylines I like. Auburn was once upon a time the number one team in the country they have a phenomenally talented roster They potentially have a, a kid who's gonna be a number one overall pick. But can Bruce, Burl, Bruce Pearl excuse me, get it done? Can he, he lead his team? Tennessee was really talented last year. They had a couple NBA guards. They're back to being talented this year. They went to the SEC Championship game. They're a three-seed. Can they avoid an upset? They got drilled by Wayne Tinkle last year and the Oregon State Beavers uh, in the first round. So can Tennessee avoid an upset? That's always uh, a storyline to watch when a team is trying to reaffirm and reprove themselves. And then probably outside those Mountain West teams that are mid-majors, the other mid-majors that I've followed this year that I think are really good include South Dakota State, who had a tremendous year in the Summit League. And I also think that probably the, the worst draw for mid-major teams, and I just think it's silly when the committee does this, is Murray State, who went 28-2 and and went undefeated in their conference, playing San Francisco. San Francisco's from the WCC, same conference as Gonzaga, they and St. Mary's both get at-large bids, so the WCC's strong. St. Mary's is a five seed. But San Francisco, I'm not saying that a 10 seed's wrong. I actually think that's about right. I think they should have been between a 9 and an 11. Murray State, I'm not saying a 7 seed's wrong. I think they should have been between a 6 and an 8. But the, to have two of the best mid-majors in the tournament playing each other is silly, especially since Murray State was an honor qualifier. So I, I do think that those teams like Murray State, South Dakota State, that have such great regular seasons, making them play tough draws early. I mean, it's what March Mass is all about. Maybe they can go get it done. But when you have to play a mid-major and you are a mid-major in the first round, sort of defeats the purpose. Give me a little a 6-11 game there with Murray State and have a, the 11 be a play-in team. That's what I want. Bracket Challenge, go in, enter on uh, ESPN.com. Nu-on is now ESPN Montana. Search that. Enter a bracket, one entry per person. Almost $3,000 in prizes for first, second, and third place. Go get it done. Get them entered before Thursday. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll give you our Wednesday show and our travel plans for Thursday and Friday. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that The Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Females are black tails down to hustle up Wanna cuddle up, you shy I'm your comforter, I know you love it, huh I make you feel right If it's real tight, wrong hole, uh, uh, all right I make your mouthpiece obese like Della uh, When I release, you lose teeth like little C's uh, Player, please, blood floods your dungarees And that's just the half of my war path. Last now, cry later Oh, Biggie Foreign notorious B.I.G. here on Nuana's now, ESPN Radio. What's your favorite rap album? Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. But if you want to, text us and we'll read them on the show tomorrow. 888-1029. What's the greatest hip-hop album in your opinion of all time? Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on a Tuesday. It's been a great show. If you missed anything in the show, we heard from a couple state champions, Dougie Peoples, who hit the game winner for Butte Central to lift them to the Class A state title here in Missoula as well as Braden Cook, who hit a semifinal buzzer beater for Helena Capital to beat Billing Skyview and then led the Bruins to the double title with a resounding win over Bozeman. We heard from both those guys. Also gave you a lay of the land of the rest of the state tournaments from over the weekend. We had our Treasure State Stars. We also had this week's Business Angle with Justin Angle, the overlay between business and sports, and gave you some storylines from the NCAA tournament as well as Some details on our Bracket Challenge. You can find everything from today's show on the Nuanas Now podcast, proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. Tomorrow, Abdul Muhammad, senior for the Montana State Bobcats, will join us. We'll also have our Grizz Star of the Week, but it's going to be rounding up all of the other sports that have been going on that haven't been hoops. We'll talk some softball, some Grizz track, and uh, maybe even some um, Grizz soccer as they... I've uh, had some former Grizz have some big performances lately. We we may or may not hear from Alex Eshelman. Depends on her travel itinerary. We'll hear from her sometime this week. She's heading to San Diego as well. So we'll either m- meet up with her in person down there or she might call in from there to here because they're going a little bit earlier than myself and Riley Corcoran. So either way, we'll have Alex on sometime later on this week. Also, our ESPN Roundtable will feature Leon Costello, the athletic director for the Bobcats, how has he been able to do this? How has he been able to build an athletic department that's had so much success? All that and more than we'll be in sunny San Diego Thursday and Friday. Can't wait for the rest of the week. The tournament takeover continues. Nuana's now back at 4 p.m. tomorrow. See you then. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally.